everybody. Welcome into this episode of In Session. So happy to be here right now because I am with both Kelsey Luce. How are you, Kelsey? Good, good. How are you? Oh, I don't know. And I'm mm. also with, with Danielle E. Gaines. How are you, Danielle? Hi, Colin. I'm doing very well. Thank you. That's good. <laughs> That's very good. Um, so we have some things to talk about as as we do each week, because if we didn't have things to talk about, we wouldn't have a podcast and it would be weird. So uh, an issue at the forefront of a lot of people in Frederick's minds, usually all the time anyway, is the downtown hotel. And there were some things, some tiny things that maybe happened this week. I know uh, it came up. Kelsey, what can you tell us about what happened in Annapolis regarding the downtown hotel here in Frederick? Yeah, Colin. So basically the news is that nothing's happening yet. (laughs) So my colleague Mallory Paneska and I uh, put together a story kind of checking in on where the funding for the project is. And um, so I checked in with some of our local delegation um, because it's been split the lately between Republicans and Democrats. Uh, Democrats have been pushing hard to get money for the hotel project into the budget. And some of the Republicans have been opposing it. Uh, And then, of course, Larry Hogan didn't include it in his latest draft budget. So um, essentially, we were just trying to check in on that. And one of the issues that Mallory and I wanted to get to the bottom of is this question of optional funding that the city is asking for. They sent around two different sets of flyers. And in um, one in September, they asked for an optional 11 or possible future funding is how they phrased it, possible future funding of $11 million. Mm-hmm. And what that would do is try to give the project a, an underground level to its parking garage. So um, we were trying to clear up what that funding is going to. And so that would bring the total possible public funding for the project to $27.5 million. Um, and right now, there has been uh, five million in the past. In the past, there's been five million from uh, allocated in the budget for it. So it does represent a difference. Um, and so we'll keep an eye on that as it all develops and what's going on with it. Everybody wants to know about the hotel in town. So I, I'm I'm always happy to talk about it. We talked about it a lot last year, didn't we, Danielle? Yeah. It it it's something that really ramps up around this time of session. So um, uh. we're going to start seeing the um, actual budget coming together very soon. So uh, both chambers um, will have to agree on a state budget by April 2nd. Okay. I was going to ask you. So <laughs> April 2nd is less than a month away. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's, as with many things in Annapolis, it's a soft deadline. <laughs> oh. So um, obviously the session ends on April 9th. The one thing that they're constitutionally mandated to do by April 9th is finish a budget. Uh-huh. Um, by April 2nd, if they don't have one done, they can start um, doing things like declaring uh, an extension of the session or a special session or things like that to focus exclusively on budget work. Um, the committees are moving forward, so I expect that they'll actually finish a budget on time. It's pretty rare that they don't buy that deadline you can extend the session if you don't pass the budget you actually have to extend wow. the session in order to pass the budget Could it go into um, the summer no <laughs> no um maryland has another uh, a few years ago in 2012 um you know they didn't finish up their budget work and the state 
um, reverted to what was called like the doomsday budget, which is um, essentially a budget that passes without kind of the the BRFA. <laughs> um, the BRFA? Which is the Budget Reconciliation and Financing People financing don't know the acronyms, Act. man. Um, <laughs> and that's like the, the equations and formulas that make everything work. Um, uh-huh. So... I don't anticipate that we'll have any problem seeing a budget passed this year. Um, as Kelsey was explaining, the real issue is like how much um, we'll get in for the downtown hotel and conference center. Um, project backers here in Frederick want as much money as possible. Yes. Um, but when Republicans push them and ask them, well, what's that money going to? It's it's what Kelsey was talking about. Well, an optional or a possible, um, you know, extra level to the parking garage and these sorts of things. And, um, when they add up the the project backers here in Frederick, when they add up the total cost of the public infrastructure that's part of that project, they get a total of $18.5 million. Um, some total public funding that they're asking for, which includes things like TIFs, tax, inc- tax mm-hmm. increment financing, and other grants, um, it adds up to that $27 million figure. So Republicans are, are kind of asking, well, if it's $18 million, why do you need $27 million to cover it? Uh-huh. Does it look like and we'll get $27 million? Yeah. The the $16.5 million that, that is being discussed as part of the state budget mm-hmm. is what was approved oh, last so, year. Okay, so that, okay. Yeah. There we go. What were you going to say, Kelsey? I'm sorry. We oh, cut I'm you so, off. Yeah, it's worth noting that, um, you know, Mallory was talking to Mayor O'Connor from the city of Frederick, and they don't really see it as optional funding because the um the amount of traffic that the hotel project if it's built would bring to downtown they they see that as really needing the extra level of parking so just wanted to note that as well hmm. we all need more parking the key to life is parking it really is <laughs> i was in dc last night and if uh we didn't find parking i don't know what we would have done with with the fabulous we will shout him out travis s pratt i was with him Aww. so that was How's he doing? He's doing great. (laughs) I got a $100 ticket in D.C. last weekend where me and my husband stood underneath like the sign for parking that explained the parking. And we talked about the sign. (laughs) (laughs) That happened last night with us. And got a $100 ticket. I'd never pay it. Uh. I'd say, come find me, people. Come find me. (laughs) All right. Um. County ethics bill, Kelsey, (laughs) (laughs) very, very smooth transition. The county ethics bill, from what I understand, is likely to become law. Is that correct? That's correct. And I'm wondering about the ethics of not paying a really (laughs) garbage parking (laughs) fine. But anyway, um, yeah, so (laughs) the Frederick County ethics bill is very, very likely to become law. It's passed both chambers now. So um, basically, uh, it'll, it'll just have to you know, go go through the opposite side, and then the governor would be very likely to sign it because it's got the Frederick delegation support. So, um, you know, I guess uh, I guess you can never say never, but it does look like it will be it will be a thing. So, what it does is it uh, we we've talked about it a little bit on on this podcast, if I'm remembering right. But just to go over it again, it, it would extend prohibitions on county level donations over a hundred dollars from developers with um, pending land use and zoning change applications, it would extend that to, to their agents, people like their lawyers. Um, and, uh, and so basically it's just trying to tighten up the ethics rule. And another, another piece of it is to um, make it so that uh, people on certain boards have to step down if they run for office. 
So that could potentially impact, um, let me get their names in front of me. It could potentially impact um, appeals board member Michael Bowersox, who's running for um, Republican Central Committee. It could potentially impact um, Shannon Boer, a Democrat who um, is on the appeals board and trying to go for the District 5 seat. Uh, Frederick County Council. It could potentially impact Jesse Pippi, who's on the uh, Board of License Commissioners, aka the Liquor Board, and he's also running for the House of Delegates District 4. Um, that being said, though, uh, this law would not go into effect until after the primary, and also the way it's written, it's, it's not really clear if it would count for this election cycle. So um, that's still a question that um, the our delegates here are trying to get an answer on from the attorney general. Hmm. We'll have to keep an eye on that then. This is something that, that we've talked about. We have talked about quite a bit, I do believe, mm -hmm. um, through the weeks. So we will keep an eye on that. Um, I want to move on to um, the governor, mm -hmm. Danielle, <laughs> the governor, <laughs> uh, the governor, Larry Hogan's testimony in Washington this week. Uh, he had some things to say about the opioid academ academic or epidemic, depending on which language you use. What did he have to say, Danielle? Yeah, so we um, ran a wire story about this, but I watched the hearing. It was uh, in Washington. It was before the Senate Help Committee. That's um, Help? Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions. And wow. <laughs> Governor Hogan was there um, with a bipartisan panel that included the Democratic governor from Oregon. And they talked about a lot of issues. Um, you know, the governor talked a lot about the fact that states need more funding to implement programs that they are coming up with to deal with this um, opioid epidemic. And um, the 21st Century Cures Act, we wrote a lot about that back in the day because it had a lot of impact here in Frederick. Um, but that uh, that bill designated a billion dollars to states to help deal with the epidemic. And these governors were there to say that it's still not enough and they need more. A billion dollars is not enough. Wow. Yeah, we're dealing with a lot. And uh, so to me, one of the more interesting things that the Baltimore Sun wrote about in, in their story that we ran um, included the idea that a lot of this um, fentanyl is coming from Mexico and uh, via the postal service. Really? So, <laughs> um, via the postal service? So, yeah, uh, Governor Hogan and Kate Brown, um, the Oregon governor, they talked about uh, they called on the members of the bill to help pass a bipartisan the members of the committee to help pass a bipartisan bill that would require more sophisticated customs data on international shipments and it's to keep that fentanyl from from making its way here through our postal service hmm. wow the postal service i can't mm. get over that um do we know I, I think we might have talked about this before how does maryland rank nationwide in terms of sort of the opioid e epidemic are we uh, hit harder than most states, less than most states. Do you have any sense of that? I actually, I'm, I'm not positive, but I do know, you know, we're losing a lot of lives um, to the epidemic. So there yeah, were 1,500, 1,500, yeah. um, more than 1,500 in the past year. And mm -hmm. a lot of those are tied to fentanyl, which of course is a, a stronger drug that's mixed in mm -hmm. with heroin. Wow. Oh, I feel like we talk about opioids a lot too. Yeah. It's a big that, problem. That, it is. It really is. Um, something else we've talked about is the phased retirement plan. Uh, that's called a segue for those listening. Um, <laughs> Great job with it. 
Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much, Kelsey. And, and and I wanted to ask you, you wrote about it this week. Uh, what what happened? Yeah, so the phased retirement plan bill from Delegate Carol Krim got out of the House with a unanimous vote. And um, again, what this would do is it, it's modeled after what happens in the federal government is it would allow state employees to just like it says, phase out their retirement so they could work part-time while drawing a prorated um, amount of their retirement benefits. And the idea behind it is so that um, these state employees can pass on institutional knowledge. And um, in the uh, Department of Legislative Services analysis um, said that uh, in the federal government, employees had to spend, were required to spend 20% of their time mentoring. So that's part of their program. It will be up to the Department of Budget and Management and the State Retirement Agency to, pick, to to figure out how this program will look here in Maryland. But one might imagine that that'd be a, a model that they use. Hmm. Do you ever think we'll be able to retire? I don't no, think so. No, not really. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, it's just the generation. You, you know, it's, it's, it's just what us. We have. It's, it's our fault, too. It's all our yeah. fault. All that all avocado toast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's time now for the best thing in the newspaper on a week to week basis. We have Danielle's almost citing for those who can't see the simulcast exactly what I'm saying because she knows exactly what I'm going to say. (laughs) Cue the music. Our producer, Graham. It's time for political notes. Um, Kelsey. I, I just want to read the first sentence that you had uh, in this week's column. The Frederick County Republican Central Committee will not take action on concerns raised over a member's eligibility to sit on the committee while running in a Republican primary. Who is that member and what happened? Oh, this is following up on our last political notes. It involves um, Councilman Billy Shreve. So a, a treasurer from the greater Frederick Republican women as I said earlier, raised concerns. Um, To be clear, she was speaking on her own behalf, not on behalf of the organization, but Lois Gibson wrote a letter to the committee basically asking the Central Committee to take a look at this issue and to determine if uh, Shreve is eligible to run because he is um, sitting on the committee and he's about, he's uh, in a primary against Craig Giangrande, Republican Craig Giangrande for uh, the Maryland Senate District 3 seat. Mm -hmm. So um, as we talk, the the bylaws say that, um, the, the central committee bylaws say that someone should step down if they're in a contested primary. Mm-hmm. So the chairman, Eric Beasley, consulted with some attorney friends, and they are the committee is basically taking that to read that it's not a requirement. Because usually in legal language, will or shall makes it a requirement, and then should is a little more iffy. Um, so... Uh, I, I should note that um, Eric did say that he personally would like to see people barred from running in primaries or from sitting on the committee if they're running in a contested primary. But on um, the committee in general, in general, he said did not support that. So, yeah, so that that seems like it'll kind of be the last word on the subject for now. Um, there were some Councilman heated Shreve words last week when we talked about it though yeah yeah there were so i'm sure i'm sure it'll come back up um i just don't know it doesn't look like the committee will actually do anything about it but uh, you know i'm sure it's something that people will be talking about and bringing up it's probably during the campaign i would imagine yeah i'm i'm 
I'm always up for a good debate about the word should, which I thought, which is what, uh, which is what happened. Also, uh, talked about a little bit in this week's political notes is my favorite thing outside of the left lane bill, gerrymandering, Danielle. What, what happens with gerrymandering this week? Yeah. So in a video or I guess a gimmick, you might call it, a gimmick? <laughs> <laughs> um, staff from governor Larry Hogan's office took to the streets of Annapolis and they walked around with this white sheet of paper with a black blob on it and asked people to say what they thought it was. Um, and it was very interesting. People really Uh-oh. actually seemed to put a lot of effort into identifying what they thought they were seeing. Yeah, so, I see a dragon, a dog. Yeah, people like turning it turning it around and upside down and like, oh, this looks like a dog tail and here's his face. And um, But in reality, of course, at the end of the video, we learn that it's the um, outline of the third district in the state of Maryland. Ooh, powerful. <laughs> so um, Larry Hogan says, I don't know what this looks like to you. But to me, it looks like gerrymandering. Ooh, <laughs> I need to watch this. <laughs> and this video, of course, was an attempt to drum up support for his uh, redistricting bill um, that he wants to see get passed in the General Assembly this year. We're coming up on the crossover deadline, but there crossover are crossover day almost. Yeah. And there are a number of items that have not been um taken up as far as redistricting goes this year so Mm. the governor has his bill there are a couple of others um there's two democratic bills along the lines of the compacts that we've talked about before um and then there's another one that has some uh, bipartisan support which um doesn't uh go so far it doesn't kind of create a commission and stuff but it does um say that the maryland uh constitution would be amended to to set out that there are standards in Mm -hmm. identifying um districts and that that would include you know sticking to natural boundaries and political subdivisions instead of like breaking towns up into two Um, but that bill also hasn't moved forward and breaking towns up into two Wow. Well, that that, that happens frequently. That. Yeah. Is Frederick in two? Frederick County is in two. I mean, we're part of the sixth and the eighth district. Um, but there are. It's like you go to Wags and be part of the sixth district and then go down to Bushwallers and you're in the eighth district. In Montgomery, <laughs> when you're driving around Montgomery <laughs> County, you really can, um, in some regular thoroughfares, go back and forth between the sixth and the eighth. So great use of the word thoroughfare. <laughs> I think that's a first. <laughs> that's a first for FMP. She's podcast. got the words. Yeah, that's it. Um, and then also all this is, of course, happening because we have the Supreme Court case coming up later this a, month, which right. everyone's keeping an eye on. It's going to be a busy month. It's going to be a busy month. It's going to be. And then at some point, St. Patrick's Day happens. I think that's next yeah. w- next week, <laughs> I, actually. Which brings up <laughs> drinking. Exactly. This is, again, a perfect segue. <laughs> nailing it this week. Um, Kelsey, there were, um, there were some things that happened and there are going to be some alcohol laws, um, (laughs) that, that, that's upcoming in terms of stories. What can you tell us about alcohol? I know it's a hot button issue this year. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely always lots of, uh, alcohol laws. Um, and so there's several that are going to particularly impact Frederick County. The first one I wrote about with, uh, Cameron, Cameron Dodd, a good colleague and a current court supporter. Anyway, so we wrote about um, a bill that would treat shochu and soju like wine. Um, So if you don't know what that is, uh, shochu is a Japanese drink. It's generally made from rice or any number of other grains like buckwheat. uh, It's more wide, Um, more 
more widely consumed than sake? Yeah, apparently so. And I'd never heard of it. Um, So, you know, I guess guess we got to we got to catch up with Japan over here. (laughs) And then um, soju is one I have heard of because I live in a um, a, a neighborhood with a lot of Korean population. Um, So that's a similar beverage. It's just like the Korean style of it. And um, so that brings us to um, why it's uh, why it matters to Frederick. There there is a shochu distiller in frederick really it's um yeah yeah he's opening up it's um one of only a handful in the u.s and it's the only one that's distilling it with barley so that's kind of cool yeah and so he came down recently with senator ron young for this to talk about this bill that would make it so that um wine and beer liquor license holders could sell it because um the issue is it's usually a little higher proof than most wine than most mm-hmm. like uh, other kinds of wine so by changing this law to treat it like wine then you wouldn't need a liquor license to to sell it so i want to try it yeah yeah right sounds sounds like it it. It's good. It. yeah is it really strong danielle a, a lot of times it's you can drink it like um wine like you can drink it straight out of a glass but a lot of times it's used um in cocktails so or you like mix it with soda so i worked in japanese restaurants in college so i've I've had my share of shochu a woman of the world (laughs) i worked what a great sentence that is too i worked in japanese restaurants in college you know Mm -hmm. what i did i slept a lot and drank a lot oh you missed out on your prime shochu drinking years i know i know i really i really (laughs) missed the 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 mark on that so Next, uh, anything else next week, uh, Danielle? Well, I'll, I'll ask you. Well, or Kelsey, or is there yeah, anything? Yeah, let me from you? let me t- talk to you about uh, some other bills um, to jump it back a little bit because um, th- there's some that passed or passed out of both chambers. Um, so the Frederick County delegation has been pushing for a trio of laws of liquor laws, and so they they passed this week. Like I said, one would allow for an arena license. So. Uh, higher education universities and uh, colleges could apply for this and it would basically let you have a beer while you watch some college basketball or whatever. I have a question about that though. Um, I actually, I recently went to a University of Maryland basketball game and they were selling beer there. Okay. So how oh, th- this would be specific to Frederick County. A local okay, bill. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A local so I'm bill. So su- I'm sure they figured yeah. it out down there. <laughs> You know what I'm going to say? A, a local bill. A local bill green. Okay, go ahead, Kelsey. <laughs> oh, man. And so another one, which is a little, another liquor bill that's a little wonky, but it's actually super important to, to some restaurants, is one that would lower the maximum dining room seating capacity Ooh. to be eligible for a license. It would lower it from 50 to 28. So right now, in order to get a license in Frederick County, you need to have 50 seats but for smaller restaurants that would like to serve alcohol they can't do that um so i've heard a lot when i was covering the liquor board about um restaurant owners frustrated with that um you know i make saying things like you know i'm making renovations and you know i'm not going to have enough seats this is really going to put me in a bad spot so that one is also in good shape um and all three of these have delegation support so that they'll look like they'll be going forward to become law and the last one is um, it creates a, it, oh, I'm sorry, it, it revises the requirements for a banquet facility license. Because right now, the way the law is written, it's someone needs to make a capital investment of at least $250,000. It's a lot of money um, to a place before they can qualify for a bank, banquet facility license. 
Hmm. And uh, this law was basically designed to help Smoketown Brewing because um, the owner there is trying to get one of these licenses so he can have entertainment upstairs. And, you know, he's he said that he bought the building. He's already invested a lot into it. And so he was fighting this this requirement to to make an additional two hundred fifty thousand dollars. All right, so that's your rundown on the liquor bills. Thanks. <laughs> you need a drink that after that. Yes. Yeah, right? Come on, Definitely. get me some soju. There should be a, an in-session uh, drinking game for those listening. Uh, yeah. There should be. Uh, so as as I was saying, though, Danielle, next week, uh, anything what's, what's coming up? Anything good? Crossover yeah. day? Yeah, well, so we have, not quite yet, but um, so crossover day is March 19th, uh-huh. which is a Monday. So it does mean that next week is going to be really busy there are probably going to be some double sessions maybe in the chambers um uh budget discussions are of course going to be heating up as we talked about earlier um the senate is uh going to be taking a look at uh changes to um the state tax structure in light of the federal tax uh reform that occurred Mm -hmm. so we'll have something on that there's going to be some debate on that i'm sure although it seems that they've reached a bipartisan agreement so um and this weekend uh well kelsey and i'll have a an interesting story about the patient bill of rights that we talked about previously on this podcast um that bill was amended, and it was amended to a degree that caused uh, Senator Ron Young to stand up on the Senate floor and ask for his name to be removed. Ooh, that sounds dramatic. So we'll have an update oh. on that. Ooh, okay. Senator Ron Young, always getting getting in the mix. Yeah. Always getting in the mix. <laughs> he he uh, pushes a lot of bills. <laughs> he does. He does. Uh, so, of course, we end with this. Kelsey, what do you have to eat this week? Um... Probably the best thing was I brought some homemade jambalaya that my boyfriend made. He's a really good cook. And jambalaya, out, so. that's pretty good. That's good <laughs> eats. Danielle? I had a banh mi what? from a place <laughs> down in Annapolis. It was good. What's you, a banh mi? Banh mi, it's a Vietnamese sandwich. It's like a Vietnamese sub sandwich. V good. Highly Wait, recommend. A Vietnamese sub sandwich? Yeah, like it's, it's on like a French baguette. Well, that Okay, I really like baguettes. What, what else is on it? <laughs> Well, I mean, I get tofu, uh, so it's can like... Can you get chicken and things yeah, like that? Yeah, there's all sorts of things. It's sriracha, and it has mayo, and jalapenos, okay. and... No mayo. Radish, and... Yeah, I'm tofu. team no mayo, too. I want to try one of those. I I'll, I'll take you. <laughs> yeah, I need one of these. Can, can you bring some back next week? I think I might get one for lunch. Week? That sounds good. Yeah. Um, it, I, don't, I don't know if it would travel well enough for me to bring I, one back for you. Sorry, I'm Colin. Okay. I'm okay with that. I'll, I'll wait three days to eat it. It's, a, it's okay. I do that at home anyway. Um, Kelsey Luce, how can people follow you on Twitter? Just check out K-E-L-S-I-L-O-O-S. Danielle E. Gaines, how can people follow you on Twitter? At Danielle E. Gaines. That's very creative. <laughs> Thanks. So thank you guys so much uh, for this week. Again, uh, good luck next week. I hope you have a good weekend, both of you, and we will talk soon. Yeah, talk soon. Take care. Thank you.